0: recorded the phone call said he was recording it told her right it away th- told her right away and it was just this sort of sense of the media tends to chase what runs away like a predator but doesn't always know what to do when the pre- when, when when the thing is running at them when it's and, in the scope
1: they're the ones in the scope yeah. yeah yeah
0: exactly we could just continue to build upon this metaphor deer oh, in the headlights <laughs> uh
1: i'll <laughs> go under a magnifying glass yeah yes I, she did I, not handle. She did not handle it well. I, I can tell you, and I spoke with my my better half, Sarah Hepler, about this on the Smoking Podcast. Uh, I have. I don't know if I've actually ever squirmed as much as I have, as a you know, for a journalist as I did when he called her and he was taping her, and she she had four different deflections. Well, basically, she's buying time. She now realizes she's like in a churning sea and she's drowning, so she's going to grab for anything. Mm. So the fir- the first one was wait he says who he is he says why he's calling and she goes oh and now she's writing about her and he, he's like wait who is this and he's <laughs> like i'm the person you're writing about <gasps> oh yeah oh, oh hi oh hi <laughs> oh um,
0: dave portnoy oh, yeah the oh, comments
1: right i right exactly <laughs> so um then it was he he said well i'm calling because you sent this email she's like oh no i i, I didn't I didn't, I didn't send those. And he's like, Oh, well, let me just read it to you. So he does. And she's like, Oh, well, yeah, I, I did. But that was like, that was like the, really the only one. So now this is like 2.5 deflections. Then she's like, Oh, but you know, the person I'm writing it with, cause she's like, please, somebody help take this pain away from me. I can't take it. And then the final one was, he's like, so when, when were you, were you, go- were you going to call me? Like, were you going to do this? And I, I've said this before. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but people that, listen, when you're a journalist, hi, everybody out there in listener land, when you're a journalist, you know, you want to give people some time because people have things they're doing. They don't immediately respond to you. Give them a day, give them a couple of days. Usually you're doing it by email. Maybe you do it by phone. It, it seemed to Dave Portnoy, and I, I'm kind of in his camp here. That they were not going to go to him. And this is the reason why. They already knew the story they wanted to write. It's in the title. It's in the emails that she sent saying, do you realize that this person you're working with is a well-known misogynist? Are you aware of the allegations against him? Like, okay, so these are these like these kind of veiled threats, which people didn't take the bait, which was pretty amazing. Um, I think she wanted to completely write the story. And then maybe go to him for a response. Oh, and if she couldn't reach him, it's like, well, we tried to reach Dave Portnoy, but, you know, we couldn't. I'm not saying she would have done that. But she then said, sure, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Then they can't. They've tried to reschedule the interview. And apparently he didn't bite. Now, I got to say, I'm not I'm not sure I would have either. I mean, I probably would have just because I'm, you know, I like to mix it up. But yeah. you know, they really were not practicing what I would consider ethical journalism. He called them out on it. Is he under an obligation now to work with their Changing schedule? No. I don't know. So,
0: Yeah. I have more sympathy for actually not even calling somebody than the weird uh, pretense of professionalism that they were doing and the back and forth and everything else. I mean, how much preparation do you need if you're writing about somebody you theoretically have ideas of questions to ask them? It, it seems like a lot of the actions are informed by this terror that he has an audience and this is now you're part of his show and not knowing how to be part of his show. Um, right. Good point. Good point. It, it, which I mean, I can understand that emotionally. I mean, I would feel a little bit antsy and nervous to suddenly be on somebody else's platform. They have a lot of people watching them, but at the same time, that's what you do. You've got to suck it up and do it. You, you can't run from your responsibilities.
1: So let me ask you a question. And I I don't know if I would have done this, but I hope I would have. Or, you know, after a, a couple of minutes of realizing I wasn't, wasn't going to get out of this, how would you have responded to him? Like maybe, you know, you you sure, you try to stall for a time for a second. They'll go, oh, hey, uh, uh, trying to get it together. Mm. You know, someone uh, in the comments of our podcast said, she could have like said, whoops, phone disconnected accidentally. And then calling back when she got her wits about him. What would you have done in that moment? Had you put yourself as a journalist in that position? Now you got him on the it, phone. What do you do?
0: It's such a good question because in a way you're constrained by the pretense of an objectivity that you clearly don't have. Right? She would come out better in the interaction if she was just real. If she said, yeah. look, I'll be honest with you. I've looked into the business insider allegations and I think that you're a monster. I think you're a misogynist. I think that you've been violent with women. I think you attack anybody that levies a credible allegation against you. And so, yes, I think you're dirt. And yeah, eventually, eventually we plan on giving you an email because that's what we do, or giving you a chance to respond to the allegations. But why, given who you are and what you've done, do you expect to be afforded, I don't know, some sort of consideration? You seem to be completely, completely disconnected to anything you do in any sense anybody has of you. I'm not saying that that's how I feel, but that seems to be how they feel but they seem to be prevented from saying something like that in that kind of moment. They're still clinging to this sense of, well, we're doing the objectivity, just not in the objectivity way. So that's why it's the fumbling and
1: stumbling. I mean, I, I think that they had their brief when they went into this story. They they knew the story they wanted to write. They wanted to write a story that was derogatory about him. And look at these people. I mean, who knows if even their objective was to really, like, threaten these people. But how, how are they going to have the story? How are they going to make him look bad if they don't have... I think, I wonder if it's not so much here. This is something else I said on my podcast. I was like, look, the Washington Post can write any sort of story they want about Dave Portnoy, okay? If they want to do an investigative piece into the allegations, go with God. Go ahead and do it. You are welcome to do that. If you want to do a pure pizza story, you can do that. But they were trying to, mix this thing. I don't even know. I'm going to give her I'm going to give her a little benefit of a doubt here. I'm going to say that she couldn't even have come back at him and say, I think you're dirt because I've looked into these allegations. I think it was just sort of taken on faith that he's a bad guy because the people that we talk about Mm. think this and my editor thinks this. So clearly I'm going to get some sort of corroborating people like this dude in the math guy in Michigan or wherever he was, Jonathan Rosenstein or whatever his name was, the guy that's (laughs) positioning himself as the food conscience of the, or the of America, of the food world. Um, I I think I'm going to give her, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back off of Emily here a little bit. And I'm going to say, if I'd been pinned in that position, I've been given this assignment. I already know what it is. I'm going to trim the facts to fit the theory. I would have said, okay, we're on the phone now. Let's talk. I've heard some really crappy things about you. And yes, we mm. were writing this piece, but let's talk a little bit. I I, I don't want to just put him on the defensive. I have an opportunity now to talk to yeah. this guy. Is it going to change the story? Yes. But you and I both know this that sometimes your best stories are the ones that you didn't think they were going to be that you walk in thinking, I'm going to go and I'm going to go bag a bear and you come back with a tiger, but it's super cool because (laughs) you didn't expect the tiger. And your editor's like, wow, that's super cool. I don't think because of what's happening ideologically at the Washington post. And you talk very well about this. I don't think they have room for tigers. I think they have room only for bears. And so you need to make sure you're bringing a bear, Emily. And, you know, maybe she didn't even like her heart. Who knows? But, um, I, I also, I mean, let's talk just a second about the finished story. Ethan, what was the point of this story?
0: It's pointless, but I, I, and I want to get into you shifting topics, but I do also want to acknowledge that your, your way is better than my way. Like that is the way that you actually should wow. handle it right. that, yay. Hey, okay. Well, let's get your side. Let's get your let's side talk. of it. We're here now. Let's talk. Let's do you know, it. I heard bad things. I emailed them about the bad things. It's all out there. Maybe I'm wrong. And, Tell me why
1: I'm wrong. Explain to me. Yeah. I've said this to people. Tell me why I'm wrong here. And, I, and yeah. I'm actually listening to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, just, you know, corroborate my, my sense. Like, tell me why I'm wrong. And you know what? Maybe he would have been a dick and he wouldn't have done it, right? Yeah. Or maybe he wouldn't have been. Maybe they could have had, like, a really, really super inter- interesting conversation about what his fans think about it. I'm not just talking about the people that dig the pizza things. You know, that's that's the first time I heard of Dave Portnoy is because about four years ago, I saw him eating a piece of pizza. I thought it was kind of cool. I was like, why didn't I think of that? That'd be a good, good idea. A one-bite yeah. pizza review, right? Um, but were but you maybe, aware,
0: Nancy, that in 2016, uh, Dave Portnoy wrote that he was no, no- homo for thinking the former Jets quarterback Christian Hackenberg was handsome. I mean, would I, you have been able to see that the same way?
1: I I absolutely would, because apparently <laughs> I was talking to Matt Welch about that. He's like, "Yeah, that was that hashtag No Homo was going around for a while. It was like a, a thing." <laughs> and also, he was acknowledging that a man is handsome. What's wrong with that? That's a no. that's a good thing to do. Um, no, I hadn't. I didn't really know who he was. I didn't know about Boraspool stool Sports. It just wasn't on my radar. Um, yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, okay. So you wanted to look at the thing itself. And I I feel as you do that, if you want, let's say you have a theory of mind that you're, you you, kind of the way, okay, Harvey Weinstein uh, is using his power to do these terrible things to women. And we're really going to crack that story. We're going to put that out there. Let's say you feel that way because you think he's so bad. Then you do that investigation. But to what you were saying, it's this grab bag where the business insider Uh, the Business Insider article gets thrown into the same bag as the saying no homo about the Jets quarterback nobody remembers. And it's just this sort of general, he has cooties, he's bad. This isn't really a serious thing. And to what I wrote, there's no no raison d'etre to it when you say in paragraph 20 that none of the pizza festival uh entrance have pulled out so this is all a self-licking ice cream cone this is all we hate this guy we know he's bad it's similar to the barry weiss thing that you mentioned where we've all agreed this individual is bad we haven't really agreed on exactly what it is that we don't like about him but we do hate him and everybody else has to hate him as much as we hate him don't you know
1: And what an impoverished, sad way to live, really. I mean, you're just like, it's like, okay, there could be these possible 14 rays of sunshine getting in this black gloomy cloud that I've created for myself, but God forbid I let any of them in because that's going to then challenge this idea that I have. So two things I wanted to say, I lost my train of thought a minute ago. It's like, I personally would have been interested if you took, you know, as they say in the piece, you know, all of the people that they contacted, the pizza people to say, maybe like change their minds about Dave Portnoy didn't. I would love to have like, you could have focused as a journalist, these ideas come, like I would have focused on one place, like pick one place in New Haven, Connecticut, what they were like, when they opened, how they had a sick kid or how grandma never learned to speak English. And then this happened and how their lives changed and what it meant. Like, that's a beautiful story that, you know, food is love, food is generosity. And you could have like had a really interesting story that way. Now, as someone who writes about Portland a lot, and I I just turned in another big story about a a lot of crazy stuff that's going on. And there's a lot of, you you know, drug overduces and homeless and all this stuff. I have to be very careful that I am not cherry picking the worst data. Because, you know, it's easy to find bad data or like you think everybody's saying that, but then you realize it's just like someone took it, they all took it from the same place. So it's not like 40 places are staying it. I have to be very careful to check myself that I'm not painting a story that confirms with what I might be finding. I have to include all of these things. That's what's ethical journalism. I may still come down on the side where I think, you know, measure 110 would decriminalize drugs and we've, got a real problem in portland i may still come down on that side but i can't i can't artificially sweeten the story so that it confirms with my point of view that is unethical journalism and i think the washington post at least in this case just even goes far beyond that they're just not interested in anything that sweetens the story if it's going to conflict with the story they pre-decided they wanted to write
0: No, it's didactic to what you're saying. Like You need to know it's bad. We don't trust you to get the message that it's bad if we confound that message with anything. To me, it's far more interesting. If I believe everything that they said about Dave Portnoy, I could believe everything. I could believe the worst version of it. And then I would still be left going, but it seems like he's creating a lot of good right here with this pizza festival. And isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that somebody bad could also be a benefit um, and endear himself to these people in this particular way isn't life so complex isn't um, life interesting <laughs> is it, and isn't and isn't that a
1: be, isn't that a better story it's a better yeah. story also you're absolutely right and this pisses me off no end all the time is that these publications don't trust